We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Monday NBA DFS podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, as always, Ben Miller. Ben, we had another week, another win. You've swept me now, I feel like, three weeks in a row. But this just wasn't a close one like it's had been in the past. You absolutely dominated me with your Wednesday lineup. I feel like that was a great jump into the holiday uh, weekend, so to speak, with all the Thanksgiving stuff going on. But your lineup absolutely throttled me. Yeah, it was was a high-scoring night overall. Um, Except for my team. Right, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Um, no, it was, it was definitely a high scoring night overall. I think there was a lot of the lower tier or lower price guys that kind of all hit. You know, we had Thon Maker for the Bucks. You know, Hens- Henson was out. He had thirty five Fanduel points. A guy like John Collins, he was cheap. He had forty Fanduel points. And even you know some of the middle middle <clears throat> mid to upper tier guys like Eric Bledsoe. We we. Talked we about him nonstop, yeah, yeah, and that the revenge game factor for him. He had 46 Fanduel points. Will Barton. There was just a ton of guys that all you know surpassed value that five times value that we talk about. Well, I think it was such a high scoring affair because there was 14 games on the slate. Oh, I mean, definitely, yeah. that was in part. Yeah. And we talked about this. That's exactly why you want to play the tournament games when there are 14 going on because there are so many different people that can go off. Good luck guessing who's going to be right. Exactly. You yeah. were able to get that with your 350 score line, which is what you hit on Wednesday. I, of course, was not because, you know, someone like Brooke Lopez, who was right up there with Eric Bledsoe as far as my loves, ended up being a complete tank. He got seven points overall. Yeah, yeah. James Harden, it feels like the first time I've used him in forever, and he goes for 37 points when he's been averaging 50, 60 a game. Yeah, and I my lineup had so much more upside if, if Harden would have went Absolutely. off, too, Just which think was about tough. That. Yeah. I mean, you had Harden in there, and you still got 350. That's that's the crazy Yeah, he, he was a guy you had 50 Fanduel points in like every single game for however many games you just kind of blew it um but it was still yeah still a solid night for me well we'll move over to the monday slate hopefully it's a little bit better for me this week but really 
it's going to be a weird podcast overall. I don't recall a time really of doing these podcasts now for a better part of a year and a half, almost two years, yeah. where there have been so many injuries and not just injuries to the top guys, which there are a ton, I think, of the top five players, at least as of this recording, three are game time decisions. And I think of the top eight, four are game time decisions. But there's also middle tier guys, the 6,000, 7,000, 5,000 guys that are all hurt. And all could not play. It right. just—it's a fascinating dynamic that we're gonna have to kind of dance through today. So normally, podcasts will talk about what's the most important thing for your lineup. Uh, most important thing is who's playing because right. we don't yeah. know. We do not know who will be playing at this time. And then the second most important thing is okay, if somebody's out, who do we want to play instead? So I think we're gonna be doing our lineups a little bit differently. A, we're not gonna be talking about our lineups. Actually, we'll we'll go through guys we like at the end. But just know that the people we mentioned at the end of a podcast, we will not have. We will be changing our lineups come 6 o'clock Eastern Time tip-off. We'll be tweeting out our lineup as of all the people we know and the information we know. So just just when you're keeping track, score line at home for our podcast, we will be changing them up. We'll be tweeting out our lineups at 6 o'clock Eastern Time tip-off. Um, I think the most important injury and injuries to note is Golden State. They yeah. have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Is he also on there too right now? Yep, and Iguodala's out. He's doubtful, I should say. That's, I mean, those are all key guys for your DFS lines, but each one of them is either game time decision or out going on Andre Godal. And I think that that's probably the first thing we need to talk about when setting our Monday DFS lineup is what's going to happen with Golden State. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and we mentioned Iguodala's out already, so that, that already brings, you know, some solid guys off the bench like Omri Caspi and, and Nick Young that could potentially see more minutes. Um, for me, honestly, it's which which of the superstars sits out i'm almost playing the other ones so say steph Ooh, curry okay. kevin durant draymond green i'll sit down uh, or sit out i should say clay thompson like i'm putting him in my lineup um I, I think it's whatever combination end up sitting out i want the other one or two guys so we should we should note that this is an eight game slate much different than the 14 game slate that we have going on the injuries that are going to be announced are going to be announced as we continue to go through this podcast and through the rest of the day will have a drastic impact on how we're doing the tournament lineups because there will be guys that are cheaper priced that you can put into your lineup that open the door for maybe if there are guys that are high priced to play that yeah. you can put in your lineup. I agree with you that if Durant, Curry, Green, one of those guys gets ruled out, you want to roll with the other one. It's worth noting the Warriors play the Kings. The Kings are not a good team. No. We know that. The Kings know that. Everyone knew that entering the season. We also know the Warriors are a good team. Could this be a situation where they decide, hey, we're not going to start anyone? And it's a 10.30 Eastern Time tip-off game, so we might be in a position where, okay, Durant might be out, Curry might play, but they might change their course of, as the night progresses and say, okay, all these guys are out. And then DFS guys are out altogether. Are you at all worried about that when setting your lineup? Oh, I'm, I'm terrified. With with it being a 1030 Eastern tip, you know, who knows when we're actually going to get, you know, an actual decision on what these guys are playing. Um, I think I think that affects my decision a lot. I, at some point, if they don't announce the lineups, I'm going to have to avoid the game, you know. Um, I, I agree with you. It's tough because... When you think about it, you know, I, the first thing I see when I see these guys on the injury report is, okay, these guys aren't really that banged up. Like, I have a feeling they just want to put an injury designation on it and rest them. You know, like you said, it's the Kings. They don't need Kevin Durant, Steph Curry to beat the Kings. I think Clay you're Thompson complete- alone could right, do it. Right, exactly. And I think that's that's what worries me the most. And, and I can't, with the designation still on, I can't, I can't play any of these guys risking it. It's worth noting Durant will be a game-time decision with the ankle, Draymond Green with the foot, and Steph Curry with the hand. So three different things, and it's not just a rest-related deal. I do believe, and you kind of pointed out right at the beginning, 
Andre Iguodala being a doubtful, or I think now he's actually ruled out entirely, opens up the door for Nick Young or Omar Caspi. When we're looking at these things and, and how many people are out, you kind of want to look for sure things. And at least as of this recording, those are guys that both are around 3K price. Nick Young is a 3K price player at the shooting guard spot, worth noting, because there is one guy that's not out in James Harden at yeah. the high price guy in the slate. So 3,000 Nick Young is great, but now you're kind of limiting who else you can use at the shooting guard spot. And then Caspi, of course, another guy that came over uh, this offseason was, I mean, they stole him, outright stole him when the offseason when they right, signed yeah, him. Yeah. He's a 4K price player, and you think, again, he's going to be the guy that steps up if, uh, well, not if, when Iguodala is eventually ruled out. So is he or Nick Young kind of the guy that you'd rather utilize in your lineup, given everything we know position-wise, how FanDuel lists them? I would probably say I'm most comfortable with Caspi. I mean, that's helped by the positioning. You're right there. But I think as a whole, his numbers have been better even when um, these these superstars are in the lineup. So um, I think he's the guy that's been easy. He's at 25 minutes the last two games. You know, that's before injuries. Um, so I think he'd be he'd be a 30 plus minute guy um, with Iguodala out with, you know, the potential to see Duran out. So if if I'm picking one guy of that, you know, Nick Young, Omri Caspi, Patrick McCaw type of group. Yeah. Caspi's the guy that that I, I like. Well, and here's the thing. Even if all those guys play, which again, I don't know if they do or not. I don't feel great about Like if you forced me, gun to the head, which one am I going to say? I say a lot of these guys sit out because again, it's the Kings. Yeah, yeah. But if they were to play, Caspi might actually get a lot of minutes in junk time, right? I mean, this could be a game where the Warriors get out in the third quarter anyway because they're so far ahead and you get a guy like Caspi in there who does a lot of stuff or even Nick Young in that sense again. I don't mind it at 3K, but you have to make some decisions at the shooting guard spot. I lean your direction. Caspi at 4K is an interesting price tag at a small forward spot yeah. if and when those guys are out. And I had a tough time with the small forward spot, actually, when I was, I when I was looking through it. So that could definitely be someone someone to consider. Well, we touched on Durant. We touched on Curry. That's two of the five highest priced players in the slate. Another one, Ben Simmons. He's been a revelation with the 76ers in his quote-unquote rookie season. Uh, a 10K price player at the power forward spot where there are a lot of power forwards, and we'll get to them, that are injured or hurt. What do you know about Ben Simmons? They're going against the the Cavaliers. This is a 7 o'clock Eastern time tip-off. We will know information beforehand when setting your lineup. If Simmons is out, and again, we don't know yet, if Simmons is out, is this going to be kind of a, uh, I don't know, something like a Dario Sar kind of game, or is it going to be a different one where we're thinking... McConnell gets more playing time. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, so it sounds like it's it's nothing overly serious. It seems like it's just soreness in his left elbow. Um, he he did go through shoot around, which is typically a pretty good sign that they're going to play. I mean, obviously, you know, he'll probably go through warm ups first and see if there's anything you know lingering there before a decision is made. Um, but if he does sit out, you know, for me, it's McConnell. McConnell's the guy I, I, I want to go with. I think he actually stepped in um, as the starter in, in place of Simmons. I think on Saturday when they played. Um, he had a, I think it was like 30 FanDuel points or something like that, or 33.3 FanDuel points. And actually, the game before, even when Simmons was in the game, he had 41.9 FanDuel points. So he's already a guy who was seeing you know extended minutes. Um, so I'm looking towards McConnell, but I wouldn't say that doesn't that doesn't rule out Sarge. That's either. what I was thinking yeah. too. Yeah, I still think he's he's someone you can consider. You know, there's they're going to need more. Um, um, more playmaking as soon as as soon as Simmons out, obviously you you lose your your best player. McConnell's priced pretty appropriately, so if we're thinking Correct, that yep. Simmons is out in the game, we don't know for certain. In fact, I'd actually rule the other way. I think Simmons might play, especially given the fact we know he participated in shoot around. But if he's ruled out, McConnell at fifty four hundred is not a bad play at all at the point guard spot. I think there's actually a lot of value point guard wise, especially if some guys are ruled out. <clears throat> Steph Curry, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, but I still think McConnell at fifty four hundred is okay. 
I will say Shumpert's coming back down the other side. We talked a lot about how I, I thought Calderon was a good play. That did not work Wednesday. It did work last week, Monday, when we did the podcast. Now Shumpert's back. He's a shooting guard option that's also under 4K. We Again, so many things. We, we're only like 10 minutes in the podcast, and there's already multiple shooting guards under 3 or 4K that we're looking at. Like, oh, yeah, maybe good. Uh, I think that McConnell might not get shut down by Shumpert, but won't be as effective because he's more of a defensive guy than an offensive guy anyway. Right, right. I, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting one to note. I think Ben Simmons does play, so this is kind of a moot point altogether. But it's one to consider that McConnell definitely gets a bump up if Simmons is out. I also think Sark gets a bump up to though too. Yeah, yeah. And maybe even Embiid. You know, I, I don't love the match with Embiid, but he's... He's already, you know, an absolute stud. So when, yeah. when, when Simmons is out, he's going to have to take on uh, an extra workload there, too. I agree. And we'll kind of get into this with the Trailblazers-Knicks game overall, but 7.30 Eastern time tip-off for that one. We'll know a little bit more information as it goes on. Chris Tapps, Porzingis, another of the top eight overall highest-priced players. That is a game-time decision. He's hopeful to play with a back injury. Michael Beasley started for him on Saturday. He did very well when we talked about him last Wednesday. He got 45 FanDuel points. When you're getting a around 10K price tag for that power forward spot, that's okay. It's not yeah. great. It's okay. I wonder, Michael Beasley, to me, becomes an instant play if Porzingis is out, especially against that Trailblazers team that really, for the most part, plays smaller. They certainly play faster. I think Beasley is a good play overall, but I don't know if he ends up being out there either. Yeah, and, and Enos Cantor is is next to him. He's also um, been injured, but he's expected to play. Honestly, I might even be leaning more towards Cantor Helping fill fill the void for Porzingis if he doesn't play, I could see Cantor having to take on more more work offensively in the plus. He's not he's not a defensive guy. Like Cantor's not going to get blocks or anything like that. But I could see him kind of you know absorbing um, some of the touches in the post. But I do agree, uh, Beasley's a guy you have to consider if if Porzingis is out. With Porzingis out on Saturday, Beasley got thirty six minutes. Ben he got thirty points. 30 points, yeah. 39 FanDuel points overall. That was buoyed by six turnovers. That makes a big difference when it comes to that. But he got 30 points. They don't have a scoring option when Porzingis is out. Beasley immediately becomes that scoring option at 4,600 for the power forward spot. I like that quite a bit as a value play. You talk about the Trailblazers matchup. Nurkic is the guy that gets covered by Cantor. Who covers that power forward spot? Who even really is the power forward for the Trailblazers? Do they want to go big? Do they want to go small? That's where Beasley comes into play. And I think that to me... If Porzingis is ruled out, he's an instant value play. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and like you said, that 39 Fanduel points is, is evidence of, I would say that's kind of his top value. Absolutely. Um, so I wouldn't say he's that's something to that he's going to surpass. Right. No, I, and, and I think you got to put that into perspective. I think he'll be more around the 30 Fanduel point, a little less than that. Yes. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that's still solid for his price. On Saturday, he was around a 3K player, so that you're getting almost you're getting more than 10 times value yeah. at that 39 fan points. I agree. That's his ceiling, but I definitely don't think his floor is bad enough where you want to avoid him. Even at his bumped up price tag at 4,600, I still think Beasley is value. So we'll get to that. I mean, that's those are the biggest injuries to note. But again, this slate is just filled with injuries. Let's talk first about the Magic Pacer, 7 o'clock Eastern time tip-off. We know Jonathan Isaac will be out, promising rookie for the Magic. Here's another guy, Victor Oladipo, second highest priced shooting guard. We struggled to figure out the shooting guard position overall. We've already highlighted a few value plays. He's a game time decision with the knee injury. Welcome Lance Stevenson, who started in his place Saturday and who also is a DFS asset at times when he gets the playing time, when he gets 30 plus minutes. If Oladipo is out, Stevenson becomes a guy you're like, oh, maybe I want to put him in my lineup too. Yeah, definitely. Stevenson would, uh, this, like you mentioned, the second he gets big minutes, he's a guy that fills up every category. He does everything. Um, so once you get minutes, that's 
you're gonna he's gonna fill the stat sheet up. So I, I love that play. He had 30 Fanduel points in relief on Saturday. Solid, nothing crazy, um, but he had 36 minutes. That's that's what you're looking for. You know, he's he's only 4600. 4, um, that's a great price. You know, you, you can't go wrong there. And the thing is, for me, he's listed as a small forward. And like I mentioned before, I, I had trouble finding small forwards that I really liked if you're not using like a LeBron James or something like that. So um, that's another guy I would I'd probably almost instantly throw him out. I agree. Yeah. See, and that's where we're getting at. We're, we already have Michael Beasley, who I think is an instant starter if Porzingis is out at 4,600. We have Stevenson at 4,600 at the small forward spot. You're you're making your lineup tough in the sense that you can't differentiate, especially in tournaments. You're like, okay, all these guys are out or hurt. Great. I want to put in all their backups. They're going to get, but other people are doing the same thing. You're going to have to find a way to differentiate that spot. And obviously, if you're paying down, that means you're paying up for certain areas. Let's look at LeBron James. It's the next matchup at seven o'clock Eastern Time tip off. We talked about the Cavaliers 76ers, the 76ers side of things with Ben Simmons. We know that he's a game time decision. LeBron is one of the highest priced. I think he actually is the highest priced yeah, overall yep, player 12, at twelve thousand. You get all these cheaper guys in. You're opening the door to play a LeBron James, to play a James Harden. But do you want to do that in a sense where everyone's going to be doing that in a tournament setting? I think it's, for me, because of how many injuries there are, you can't, and, and I mentioned before with the, with the Warriors, it's tough to take, make a decision on Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, until right. something's there. So for me, you almost have to pick one or the other when it comes to James Harden and LeBron, for this slate specifically. Um, I mean, you can obviously pay down, and then you know that ups your, your bottom prices for, for players, but... For me, I think you have to you have to pick either LeBron or James. Well, let's do that. Let's do that right now. LeBron plays the 76ers again, 7 o'clock Eastern time tip-off. We'll know more about Ben Simmons' stats. I don't think that really correlates to what LeBron James is going to do. LeBron's going to LeBron. Right. That's, that's kind of my yeah. thing. James Harden playing the Rockets, another juicy matchup in terms of DFS purposes. 8 o'clock Eastern time tip-off on that front. You have for the Nets, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, a game-time decision if he's out more. Trevor Booker, Alan Crabb, who has really stepped up recently as he's gotten in the starting spot. Also a game-time decision with the back injury. Joe Harris in his place, at least start on Sunday. I don't know if either of those really stops James Harden. I wonder if it ends up being more of a Chris Paul game, though. And that's where you're like, okay, do I want to pay 11800 which we got burned on Wednesday with that, or do you want to go for kind of a sure thing in LeBron James, knowing he's going to get 40 to 45 at the minimum? I mean, this game's a ridiculous over-under. Um, easily the highest on the slate. I I just, I, I like Harden. I do. I like Harden better than LeBron, I think. You know, it's a very weak net squad, and while you may worry about a blowout factor, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I, the blowout could happen, but I don't see that affecting you know Harden's, Harden's numbers. numbers, right? I think he's going to be extremely highly owned, and, and this this like for this slate that doesn't scare me, that doesn't you know push me away. Um, I just I'm rolling with him for sure. I'm, I'm I got him over LeBron. Um, he's just he had that one game. The one yeah. game we used him last yeah. week, mm-hmm. 37 Fanduel points. I don't see that happening again for another five, six games. Last year, you said Cavaliers, 76ers, and Rockets, Nets. There would have been a very real possibility that both the stars get pulled third quarter, even mid-third quarter. I don't think that's a situation, A, early in the season, but B, because both these teams aren't at that bad, the Nets, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, yeah. but they're still kind of a team that's hanging around the edge of it, and I think the 76ers certainly are gunning for that, and this is a statement game for them, especially against the the Eastern Conference perennial powerhouse and the Cavaliers and LeBron James. I, I don't. I think that, honestly, you're going to be able to get both in your lineup. It's a question if you want to. Yeah. 
And I think I want to to give my team, my lineup, the highest ceiling possible, but I recognize that might not be the best play in a tournament setting. Honestly, a best play might have been going with the Kevin Durant, who at that point, when you're setting your lineups, you might not know. So if he does play, you're getting the benefit of a lot of people who are a little bit queasy to use a game-time decision player. Yeah, you get real low ownership on that, um, which should be super nice. You, you know, it's the second he goes off, you're the only one with him. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't suggest using both. I think that's a little too tough. If they're, say they were like 10,500 and 10,200, mm-hmm. I think that's more possible but because they're 11,800 and 12,000 I think that kind of forces you into you know using two or three 3,000 type of players you know and and that kind of hurts a little bit you know even though we have so many injuries I, I still think that that limits your you know your bottom line trailblazers and Knicks 730 eastern time tip off we already know about Chris Tapp's Porzingis again we talked about that earlier in the podcast he's going to be hopeful to play whatever that means the back injury though Michael Beasley an automatic play in my opinion if Porzingis is ruled out. Cantor, on the other hand, intends to play as well. He's missed the last two games. Kyle O'Quinn's been the main beneficiary of that. I think if we knew Cantor was out, I would like O'Quinn quite a bit, but it really doesn't seem to be the case. And as a result, I'm staying away from O'Quinn. Are you kind of on the same boat? Yeah, definitely away from O'Quinn. I think Cantor's somewhat intriguing if um, if uh, Porzingis is out. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm not touching him if, if Porzingis is in, and definitely not O'Quinn. The Nets Rockets, we already talked about a little bit the injuries in the Nets front, but I want to get into a little bit more Rondé Hollis Jefferson game time decision. He's been a season long asset, I think, for the most part. He's a game time decision ankle again. Trevor Booker got the start in this place, or it's going to be at least more Trevor Booker time. He's always been at least an intriguing asset when it comes to DFS things, especially in these smaller slates where you're looking for something to change your lineup around. Hey, here's a guy that gets around 25 to 30 Fanduel points. You know he's kind of a known commodity in that sense. Do you want to utilize him if Hollis Jefferson's out? Booker, like Stevenson, is probably one of my favorites. Oh, favorites. Okay. If, I thought he was kind of a sleeper, not a favorite. No, no. If I mean, say, if for, for injury-wise, I think he's one of my favorite you know, lower-priced guys. Um, he had 40 Fanduel points on Sunday. The second you know, Hollis Jefferson's out of there, um, he kind of steps up. And he, he already does pretty well off the bench. Exactly. And, and I think he even drew some starts at center the last— you know, three or four games. So he's he's getting run at both spots in, in the front court, and, and they're going to have to rely on him for sure if if Hollis Jefferson's out. So I, I think Trevor Booker's going to be a great play. He's a he's a good bet for double-digit points, Yeah, and you can get more. He's 4800 Again, this is a smaller price power forward spot, especially if you don't want to pay up for some of these hurt guys. You can go down. He's double-digit point guaranteed, and you're kind of only asking to get 25 Fanduel points or around there, so to speak. So I, I, don't, I don't mind that at all. I actually look at the other side of this— we, Alan Crabb, game time decision, back injury, especially in uh, formats that highlight the three-point shooting aspect. Crabb's been a, a revelation for the Nets squad. Joe Harris starting in his place. I've liked to use Joe Harris in the past as a 3K kind of player that you're just hoping for something, anything. I don't really feel that great about that against the Trevor Ariza type of defense on the Rockets that really caters to stopping that three-point shooting. I'm not huge on it either. Um, I maybe even would, would shift more towards like Chris Levert. Um, I think he could be a guy that helps fill in for, for Crab, and, and he had 26 Fanduel points with Crab out on on Sunday. Um, I think both of them are options. I think you're right that they're not the the best options, especially with you know this is the shooting guard small forward spots, um, and that's someone I'd rather have the Stevensons and, and that type of that type of picks. But I think if you're struggling for you know if you need a salary break, you can definitely consider you know Harris or Levert. 
Maverick Spurs, 8.30 Eastern time tip-off. Nerland's Noel will be a game-time decision. Another kind of mid-tier guy that you could utilize depending on who and what minutes you're going to be getting from a player. Thumb, thumb injury there. Wesley Matthews, I don't know. I don't really use him in DFS, but you can make a case for him in the th- in leagues that highlight three-point shooting. Game-time decision with the calf injury. Yogi Ferrell, jo- J.J. Barea would be getting more minutes if Matthews were to be out. On the Spurs side of things, Tony Parker played. He made his uh, debut, I think, over the weekend. Now we're kind of still trying to figure out what he's going to be doing with the quad injury. Kawhi Leonard has not made his debut, but it sounds like he's getting closer. I don't know. There's not without a timetable, but normally that's a negative thing. At least when I was reading reports of it, it seemed more like a positive thing that, hey, he's getting closer to returning. He won't be playing though Monday, correct? No, I, I do not think he will be. And I think Popovich said something like this was the weirdest injury he's ever seen or something like that. How weird do you think weird has to be? Popovich is at least 95 years old, so he's seen everything. Right. If this is the weirdest injury he's ever seen, how weird do you think this gets? I mean, that's terrifying. If I was, if I had him in season long leagues, I would be, I'd be terrified. Yeah. I don't, I'm just trying to picture like, did he get attacked by an eel? (laughs) Uh, Was there just like multiple syringes that accidentally fell into his quad as he was walking around outside, you know, San Antonio (laughs) street or something? I don't, I don't know how, weird of an injury can be for Popovich and that right. I agree with me or agree with you in that sense concerns me in season long leagues DFS hey you don't got to worry about that you know just wipe your hands of it and right right wait till he plays <laughs> yeah no completely and, and Tony Parker you he hasn't um debuted yet okay he, he See, will tonight that. okay that's right. what he that, he'll debut tonight. I was reading the report yep could have a minutes limit though and I think the biggest thing there is don't Less, touch him. Don't touch Patty Mills. That's a, that's a, and don't touch Murray. Uh, you know, Dante Murray. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's stay away from Patty Mills, stay away from Murray, and stay away from Parker. I I think Parker will transition into a DFS asset, but we're we're not there yet. No, obviously, there's a lot of the season left, so we can kind of get those guys running into form. Kawhi Leonard being a major part of that. I mean, he's a a small forward that really adds some depth to this slate. If you're talking about seven eight games, and even when we get later into the season, when there's ten twelve game's going on he adds some depth to it we're not there yet and i think we're actually seeing that the you were talking about how hard it was to find a small forward we're seeing the benefits or i guess lack thereof yeah hundred out right we talked about the king's warriors quite a bit earlier in the podcast we won't get into too much here 10 30 eastern time tip off so a reminder we probably will not know what's going to happen with kevin durant draymond green steph curry even a guy like andre Iguodala. we kind of already know that one but those top three big guys we're not going to find out until if we get to tip-off time, it's going to be right at tip-off time. Right. So I, I don't anticipate us seeing, you know, if they're playing or not before, you know, lineup lock. I still think there's a ballsy play for tournament lineups where you put a Durant in there or you put a Curry in Definitely. there thinking people are going to be scared off. And if they play, great. You're going to be able to reap the benefits because not many people are out there. I don't know. I think you need to find out a little bit more injuries elsewhere before you want to take the risk in a tournament lineup setting for a guy like Durant or Curry. Lakers-Clippers, final game on the eight-game Monday NBA DFS slate. Larry Nance, game-time decision with a thumb injury. And then, of course, we have the trio with the Clippers. Probably the biggest news out of those three, Patrick Beverly will be out for the season with the knee injury. Kind of thought, well, maybe he comes back later on. No, out for the season. So uh, that's along with Milos and, of course, Gallinari will be out for extended periods of time. Let's get to the Roadway Optimizer lineup. I thought it was interesting to include this in here not so much because we know all these injuries are going on, but to highlight the people that the optimizer does like that are healthy enough. It's interesting. Yes. It's an interesting lineup. Uh, Steph Curry, 9,700. Damian Lillard at 9,000. So Curry again, game time decision. Lillard going against the Knicks at 9,000. Two very high-priced guards. I think besides Chris Paul, they are the two highest-priced point guards on today's slate overall, correct? Yes. Yep. 
And then we have James Harden at 11,800 and Lou Williams, who I kind of like going against the Lakers at 7,300. Again, two high-priced point guards, two high-priced shooting guards. I think Lou Williams becomes the second or third highest-priced overall shooting guard with uh, Oladipo likely to be out or, or at least a game-time decision. So you're paying up right away, according to the optimizer lineup, at the guard spots. <laughs> and I, I think it's fine. Um, but as we'll see when we, we, we hit the rest of this lineup, it gets a little iffy. Yeah. Um, but that's because you know we don't have the results of who's sitting out and who's not. So I can see this being a valid strategy already. Just because of it could be you know a, a stars and scrubs type of night you know with all the injuries. Um, yeah, I mean you teased it really well. PJ Tucker four thousand for the small forward spot. Uh, I was high on Tucker earlier in the season. Not so much now. I know he's going against the Nets. I'm not using him. I'm definitely not using uh, Maurice Harkless either. Going against the Knicks at thirty two hundred. I get that he gets some minutes. I know he has some potential. I'm not touching that at all. I'm not touching Jay Crowder at 4,100 at the power forward spot against the 76ers. And I'm not touching his running mate either, Jeff Green, against the 76ers at 3,400. Optimizer, I get it. The Cavs-76ers game is going to likely be high scoring. And maybe even one of those guys go off. I'm not using both. Sorry, you can't make me. (laughs) No, yeah. All four of those guys. (laughs) It's it's ugly when you look at those four. It's ugly. If I'm picking one of the four, I'm going Jay Crowder. Um but that's that's pushing it. That, yeah, that is really pushing. I, it. I agree. And at the center spot, Miles Turner at seventy five hundred going against the Magic. That's not bad. I'm not sure he's the center I want to pay up for. I like Clint Capella at seventy three hundred going against the Nets. He's two hundred less than Turner, and I think he's going to score more than Turner. I I completely agree. Clint, Clint Capella is easily my favorite. Uh, you know, center on the night. Um, I'm I'm going him. He's cheap, but he's the only seven. He's seventy. Seventy four hundred. No, seventy three hundred. Seventy three hundred. Yeah. I already said that, Ben. Come on. Sorry, I wasn't. Supposed to I wasn't listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our relationship for the most part. Yeah, right. I, I like Capella too. We didn't really even talk about this overall. There's a lot of different variety that you can do given all the injuries that are going on. Center's the one spot that's not hindered at all by that. Yeah, at all. Yeah, it's up against the net, so he's going to be up against either Tyler Zeller or you know Trevor Booker if they play in right. Effort. And I think that Capella handles that easily. I think oh, definitely. That yeah. If Harden or Paul is at all. Is off at all? This becomes okay. He's getting double-digit rebounds because he should be able to out jump, out maneuver, out athleticize. I don't know. That's not really a word. Yeah, it but, sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We'll we'll roll with it. Yeah. But I, yeah, it, it sounds like a broken record. But it's the up, it's the easily the most up tempo game of the night. Like this over under is ridiculous. So uh, I think he's a, I think he's a lock for a double double. I do. I feel like all of these games are up tempo. I know that it's kind of like you're just picking the best of the best options yeah yeah i think all of these are up-tempo games maybe maybe it's the pacers magic that's not up-tempo but the pacers have been bad defensively and the magic have been bad defensively so it's like two bad teams going against one another i think that i think all of these have some potential i don't know It'll i think be, i'd be targeting the Cavs, sixers that's that's one yes right? okay the the rockets nets and the clippers lakers those are the kind of the three my three favorite you know, games. The only game that, and we didn't really even get to it when it comes to the injuries because there wasn't that many. The only one that's not up-tempo, Pistons Celtics, 7.30 Eastern time tip-off for that one. John Luer, game-time decision. Jalen Brown is going to be a game-time decision with personal stuff going on. Marcus Smart, another interesting shooting guard option if he were to play. Yeah, Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier are both guys I could I could consider if Jalen Brown sits out. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. You never know what personal means, and I think because of that, until we know for certain he's playing, I think you can kind of assume Smart or Rozier is going to get some more minutes. Marcus Morris also sat out Saturday with rest. He should be playing Monday. I'm not using him DFS just yet, but that's the only one of those matchups where I'm not like, eh, I'm not targeting that for high up tempo octane yeah, offense. Right, kind of stuff. Right. I, again, so we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. 
we're gonna we have lineups set up. They will change. We kind of made a rule of this, I think the second or third podcast overall, that we weren't gonna change our lineups after we did them now. They will change based off the injuries and stuff. We will be tweeting out what our changes will be as we're kind of hearing them, as we're adjusting our lineups. Ben, I kind of want to just go over some of the guys that you like overall. I think that's the best way to look at our lineups right now, as yeah. is recording time, 12 o'clock right now, noon central. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, 8,400 against the Pistons. I just talked about how I didn't want to go after that lineup. He is one of the four highest priced point guards, with Steph Curry being thrown into that, and we know his injury stuff. Why Irving with all the other options at point guard available? I th- I don't I'm honestly not scared off by what the Pistons can do. Of all the people in that matchup, I like Kyrie Irving the most. I think he's a guy where he's kind of matchup proof uh, to the point where he's still got a ton of upside with how much he can score. You know, maybe not last year with the Cavs, but this this year with the Celtics, he's a guy that you know takes on the the bulk of the scoring burden every single night. Um, I think he's completely. Uh, an option to hit 50 Fanduel points tonight. You know, I think he's been closer to 40 Fanduel points over the last three or four. Um, I just, I just don't think the Pistons, you know, pose much of a threat to to, to stopping his overall you. overall upside. I agree with you, and I think he's a high upside, high ceiling guy in tournaments. We were just talking about before. What strategy do you want to utilize for that? I think Irving actually is an interesting one. He's kind of a contrarian play in the fact that you're going to go everywhere else for good matchups, and whatever else, and. Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. Yeah. You know what he can do for the Celtics offense as a whole. 8,400 depreciated price that's right up your alley as far as low points in the season, yeah. at least what we expect to be a low point. I don't mind that at all. My one thing is that I feel like there's going to be a lot of value point guard-wise lower. I mean, even a guy like Darren Collison, who I have in my lamp, I think he, along with Capella, is one of the more interesting mid-tier value plays overall. Magic Stink covering the point guard. They've allowed the most Fanduel points to the point guard spot in the last five games overall. I think a lot of different optimizers are high on Collison as it is, 6,400 against the Magic. I'm going to take that because I think that's just two bad teams playing against one another, and I want a Collison to get a lot of action. I just want I want a piece of that Magic Pacers game. I like uh, I like that especially if, if Old Depot's out. I mean, when, as soon as you lose someone that you know does a lot of playmaking and a lot of shooting, you know that's going to up Collison's usage. That's going to give him more shots. It's going to give him you know more time on the ball. So uh, I do like that play, especially if Old Depot's out. I put Sean Livingston in my lineup because that's a placeholder almost. I, I, there's going to be a three thousand guy that I use, whether it's that point guard, shooting guard, small four, power four. We got a lot of different options. I put him in there as a placeholder if Curry's out. I'm rolling with Livingston at 3,000. I, I definitely need that in my lineup. And that's where I'm like, well, in, turn- in tournaments, you're going to have to have a Livingston in there if he's out. We just don't know. So I kind of actually feel confident using Livingston as opposed to using a Durant or Curry. Yeah, no, I think Livingston would be a great play if Curry um, sits out again. It's that that situation where it's the 1030 tip. So when the heck is that, is that going to come out? Yeah. Um, I kind of did the same thing with a placeholder on my side with Terry Rozier. Um I like him if Jalen Brown's out. You know, he had forty. He's only forty one hundred. Had thirty six point two Fanduel points, even when Brown was in the lineup a couple games back. So, um, I think if Brown's out, that's also the same situation though. Where as soon as we hear what injuries are out, that might switch. I went with LeBron as my high price guy. You went with James Harden. Kind of the conversation we had earlier, and I kind of explained my reasoning already. I went with Harden because I'm sorry. I went with James because Harden limits the amount of available guys I could use at shooting guard right now. I wouldn't mind having a situation with both are in my lineup, talking about high variance, what's going to give me the highest potential. I think Harden LeBron in your lineup should give you the highest potential overall, but you might not have that option. And if you're looking to go somewhere else, I like Lou Williams. The optimizer was on him. I also like Austin Rivers at 5,500. We talk about all those guys that the Clippers have lost for 
long periods of time, Rivers has kind of stepped in the place. They've held serve. I don't know how else to say it. They kind of just yeah. middle of the pack in terms of uh, well, the Western Conference overall. Rivers is kind of a guy I think that could go off, especially against a Lakers team. This is a little bit of a rivalry game, a little bit of a revenge game factor. And this is not revenge game in the sense of Rivers, but L.A. on L.A., I think Rivers yeah. could be a guy that stands out. I like Lou Williams more, but I think Rivers is a value, like a Williams valid play. Williams is priced 1800 higher. That's, yeah. that's where it's like, okay, I could see both having some viability. In fact, I have both in my pretend lineup right now, too. I think I just think Williams is a guy that I could easily see hitting a 50 fan little point night, you know, just like that crazy big night. Rivers, I don't see it. Um, the yeah. good thing about Rivers is he he gets a ton of steals. Like he's a he's a steals guy. You know, he scores and he gets steals, which is obviously great. Um, and I think obviously with Beverly out, Teodosic out, those are the two guys that are going to run the show and get you know thirty plus minutes. Um, so I I think you're right. I think both guys are are valid plays, but I do like uh, Williams more because of his overall you know top value. You have Tim Hardaway in your lineup, and we've talked a lot about how we like Hardaway, especially in the Knicks team that there there needs to be a score. Who that score is, especially if Porzingis is out, remains to be seen. I think that it could be Beasley. Hardaway is certainly up there. And in fact, they could have two people in a Trailblazers game that, again, should be up-tempo a little bit, should be moving a little bit faster pace. Obviously, we know that McCollum and Lillard are not defensive stalwarts by any yeah. means. So Hardaway should get his shots at 6,500. Do you like him more than Lou Williams? I do. I do. Um, I would. I will say, you know, Hardaway is one of the more inconsistent players night in and night out, which is terrifying, obviously, <laughs> whenever you use him. But his upside is just so high that it's he's almost a guy that every single slate I'm considering him, no matter what. You know, he's always a guy like, oh, he's only 6,500. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a good middle tier price for, for someone that can hit 50 fandom points pretty easily. Um, I think he's done that three or four times already um, this season, and especially with Porzingis and Cantor both being banged up. Um, I, I think Hardaway could could be the, you know a guy that takes on more more of the scoring load. I don't know about you, but I kind of put placeholders in. I know this is kind of cheating about put placeholders in for the small forward and power forward spots. I liked these guys that I had, but not one enough where I wanted to really point it out. Is there any of your small forward power forward options you put in that you felt yes, I really want to talk about and, and highlight as far as a guy that I'm going to use in my lineup regardless, or is it kind of eh, shrug your shoulders and wait till we find more information out? I will say Aaron Gordon, I think, is a play I, I do like matchup base. You know, he's going up against the Pacers who give up the most points to power forwards. You know, he's he was down for a bit. He, he had four or five games where he, he kind of struggled. He was only in like the 20 Fanduel point range. But the two of the last three, he had 38.8 and 43.3 Fanduel points. Um, so when you put that up against a very poor, you know, front court power forward, you know, defense mm-hmm. against, you know, Gordon, I think I think that's a great play tonight. And then I I threw Ryan Anderson in there as well. It's just such a high up-tempo game. I, mean, I keep going over this again and again, but uh, a guy like Anderson who can score quickly and, and, right. and very, very quickly, I, I think at especially a price of 4000 that's that's someone else if you need help. Especially in leagues that spot. highlight that three-point shooting, yeah, obviously, yep. or in, in DFS situations that highlight the three-point shooting. Anderson becomes an interesting play, too. I agree with you, and I feel like the Aaron Gordon play, correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of that you also want to get a piece of what you anticipate being a bad on bad team, and this is yeah. this is your piece in that sense. Yeah, not a Pacers player, but actually a Magic player in Aaron Gordon, and a reasonable middle upper middle tier price. You know, if 7, you don't want to pay up a power forward, if you don't want to pay up for Simmons or even Draymond Green, uh, should they be ruled available to play, 
I think Gordon actually is a, is a reasonable option. Yeah, it gives you a solid, you know, three extra two, three thousand, you know, to play around with at the lower tiers. I feel fairly certain any lineup I set tonight will have Clint Capella in there. I don't think I'm going to pivot away from that. I'm not paying up at the center spot. I'm not going to go extremely down there either. Capella is the guy I'm going to be using, and I feel feel really pretty good about that capella great play it's easily probably i think he was the first guy locked into my lineup for this slate uh, um i think i think he's a great play and come six o'clock uh well not six o'clock eastern time but seven o'clock eastern time we'll probably have capella in our lamps too again we'll be tweeting out our lamps we'll be tweeting out some stuff as the news breaks as far as who will be playing who won't be playing we'll get to that more and we'll have our lineup lock officially set by seven o'clock eastern time tip off and we'll have it out on twitter of course you can follow me on jb fantasy sports and a ben we gotta say your Twitter handle real quick. Yeah, at Ben Man Doing Work. Yeah, Ben Man Doing Work will have his lap as well. We gotta talk about FanDuel a little bit. Obviously, it was running at the end of the podcast. You have whipped my butt repeatedly. It's a sad case right now when we're looking at our friend competition on FanDuel. But the fact that we can do that is great. Yeah. I love that overall. And they've been pretty uh, pricing and pretty appropriate for most of these players. In fact, I was surprised to see Beasley as high as he was, given he only had one game where he, you know, went off Perzingis. Yeah, a ton of different types of, you know, contests too, whether it's tournaments, fifty fifties, it kinda how makes you change up the strategies a lot, which well, I yeah, do we enjoy. Spent so much yeah. time just talking right. about well, hey, do you want to do this for the tournament? Hey, do you want to yeah. do this for double? Yeah. It's true. I mean, that's the great thing about FanDuel, obviously, and we love the fact that it's clean, easy to use, everything else that goes along with that. If you want a free six month Road Warrior subscription, plus a free entry into the NFL, Sunday Million Dollar Maker, obviously NFL. We talk about NBA, but NFL too. Um, you can go ahead and go to rotowire, I'm sorry, fanduel.com slash RW. That's on your first deposit to FanDuel. And of course, voidware prohibited when it comes to that. If you want to listen to some NFL stuff, you want to get some set up for your NFL Sunday Million Dollar Maker, Joe Peace PMI talk every Monday, breaking down NFL DFS action over the weekend. And then John McKechnie and Joe Peace talk Friday, giving you everything you need to know on the Sunday slate for NFL stuff too. So that does it for us on the NBA Monday NBA DFS podcast. All right, one of our Twitter handles. We're already good there. We're going to be tweeting out our lamps come seven o'clock Eastern time tip off. I think that does it. Anything else for us, Ben? I think that's it. Let's get back on it Wednesday. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.